Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 179 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It's Sunday night, a little bit, I guess, later than normal, but nah, not, not crazy late. And uh, a lot happened this week, uh, and joining me to chronicle all of it is Scott Coleman. What's up, man? Yeah, for being uh, you know past the trade deadline and, and kind of in the dog days of August, usually the weeks get a little bit quieter, and it's more just game-focused and, and preparing for the playoffs, but... Uh, yeah, it was a pretty busy week, all things considered. Certainly, and uh, I promise we both teased this individually on Twitter. We're going to talk about the bullpen. Uh, that's going to happen in a little bit here. I promise we did not forget about the bullpen. We're coming back to it. Um, but as Scott noted, there was uh, more news than you would expect in a post-deadline world in August. So uh, we're going to start with that, and we'll come back to the gameplay and the bullpen and how ugly things got at times this week and uh, I guess the the long national nightmare that continues um, with that unit. But we'll come back to that in a second. First things first, this happened like almost seven full days ago, but we have to talk about it because we did not talk about this last week because it hit on Monday morning. Kevin Gosman is no longer on this roster. Um, he was claimed by the Reds. No one even knew he was placed on waivers. Now, th- that wasn't that weird, but the timing of it was so bizarre because... It was Monday morning after the deadline and all that fun stuff, and um, none of the beat guys were really talking about it. And it was just like, all right, what's going to happen with Gosman? We talked about him plenty with Eric last week on the podcast, and then in an instant, he was gone. And, you know, it saves the Braves some money. Um, you know, he well-documented he was not very good this season, but what was your reaction to that? Now, I know it was six days ago, but um, it was just kind of strange like nothing was crazy about it necessarily and that you know moving on from inmates made some sense given the money and the fact that he just kind of had nowhere to go but what'd you make of Gosman and uh, just kind of saying goodbye to him yeah as you said there was really nowhere for for Gosman to go he's he's not a guy who you're going to send to the minor leagues especially since he's been around for five or six years um clearly the the start you know he had that great start in his uh, after coming up uh, from the IL stand against Washington, and everyone thought, okay, maybe he's fixed. And then he got pounded by the Phillies um, and then pounded by the Reds. And then you start to look back on that national start, which at the time looked pretty good, but then you think there were like four home runs or four balls that were like two feet from being home runs, uh, which started to seem a little more fluky than than good pitching at that point. So um, I was surprised. I, I, was, I did a double take whenever I saw the report come through. Um, it, you know, for the Braves after taking on some significant money in the trade deadline, I'm sure they weren't, they weren't hating the idea of getting out of his contract for the $3 million that you mentioned. Uh, somebody who as a, a guy in the final year of arbitration next year was almost a certainty to be non-tendered by the Braves. They weren't going to pay him 10 or 11 million bucks, uh, for the uncertainty that he would have brought, uh, going back a year, the trade, obviously the Braves didn't give up very much. They did take on a contract in Darren O'Day that, uh, really helped limit the prospect cost. So it's not like they gave up one of their top guys for uh, an inconsistent one year of him before cutting him loose. Um, but ultimately something that, you know, at the time, I think most people liked the move. They thought he would benefit from a change of scenery out of Baltimore. And it just didn't, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Yeah, it obviously didn't. I mean, there was, there were nice moments last season, particularly he had some really nice moments. Um, but you know, after that kind of th- this year was disappointing to say the least. And, yeah, like you said, the trade was not a disaster. They didn't really give up very much in the deal, which makes it a little bit easier to swallow. We talked about this last week on the podcast, but really briefly, um, I guess Gosman could be took, could have been ticketed for a bullpen role. That's I guess that's what he's going to do in Cincinnati. But because he's right-handed, there really was nowhere to put him. And you know, Snicker was asked, and Thalpels was asked about it, and basically they said they said that they said, look, you know, there was not a place to put him in the bullpen, and that kind of makes some sense if you, you know, all things considered. Moving on from him, giving him another chance to go somewhere else. There's some goodwill nature in that as well. Allowing a guy who's a, a relatively young veteran, I think you know he's still in his 20s, um, to get another shot somewhere else, get some time to pitch, and not just you know 
burying him somewhere. So it's a uh, something that happened, and uh, I have nothing else on it, I guess, for right now. Yeah. Um, I was more surprised than anything. It was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, the time it was just so weird. I mean, it wasn't once you kind of let it waft over you, it was like, okay, this this does make a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Um, it just wasn't an option that I foresaw. So that's like I said, that's partially on me for not seeing it coming. I guess I guess, but there was just no buzz about him no. being DFA. It was basically, all right, what are you going to do with him? Do you start him? Do you do you put him in the bullpen? What happens here? And DFA was not really a consideration in my mind. And and the fact that he was claimed as well I was like, all right, that was strange. So you know, yeah, mm. live and you learn. Scott. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive tryout for the Reds. I mean, three million bucks for a guy who's been really bad basically all year. I guess, um, yeah, I, guess. I, guess, I guess the theory would be if he's really, really good and they fix him, quote-unquote, then maybe they want to tender him. But even though, like, like you mentioned, his tender's not going to be cheap. Like, he's going to he's gonna be I, – I can't imagine them tendering him. It's just kind of weird, the whole thing is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, and he's a little bit older. I mean, it's not like he's a 24-year-old who someone just cut no. loose and it's like, okay, well, we liked him or we drafted him. I mean, he's 28. Uh, he's not, he's not super old, yeah. but still, like, 28's not – as you mentioned, he's been around the block. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of a strange situation and I hope he does well. Um, but anyway, we'll leave that there for now. And I, I doubt seriously, we'll be, we'll, we'll be discussing Kevin Gossman much more on the podcast. <laughs> but, so, uh, there you go. Farewell, Kevin. Um, Next on the agenda, a couple of injuries that we have to discuss briefly, uh, one of which was Austin Riley hitting the IL with uh, what was, I guess, an, uh, announced originally as a knee sprain by the Braves on Wednesday. There was a lot of confusion, including by myself, as to why he wasn't going to play on Wednesday because they didn't talk about it at all. And they were they were facing a lefty in an American League ballpark, and he wasn't playing. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and everyone kind of said that in unison. And then, of course, he was injured a few minutes, I guess, you know, a few hours later. They knew that was going to be the case, and it, it became an LCL injury. Um, you know, LCL is the I guess the best of the CLs in your knee to hurt, but still not not great. He's uh, supposedly going to be having a um, a meeting with Dr. James Andrews, who is a very, very well-known doctor, on Monday, which is tomorrow as we're talking now. And apparently he got injured while he was stretching, which is a little bit interesting and strange. Um, you know, in the meantime, they went um, with a short bench and added a bullpen arm, um, it, which I didn't have a huge problem with. It kind of made the bench pretty rough. But alas, um, you know, rally to the IL is not... Ideal. I guess it did make the decision easy to keep Camargo. That was the big decision we talked about last week: was Riley or Camargo when Dansby comes back. Well, Dansby isn't back yet. We'll, we'll go to we'll go to that we'll go to that in a second. But uh, Austin Riley, we'll see on the timetable. It kind of comes down to Monday, and that's that's a big looming meeting that we're going to not know about until after we record this podcast. Yeah, it's certainly not good. I think uh, last year he missed some time with a with a knee injury as well. So you worry about a guy who's going to have bad knees, especially when he's younger, like he is. Um, hopefully, you know, the James Andrews meeting, as, as we've said, you generally don't go to him for him to say, yeah, just put some ice on it for a couple weeks and you'll be good to go. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. it's not, obviously you hope there's not a surgery or if it is, it's, it's minimal surgery versus like a total knee reconstruction, which as you said, the LCL, it, it's not an ACL. If that's um, what it is, it's good news, honestly. Um, yeah. cause ACL, ACL, MCL are the ones you got to worry about and LCL, I mean, he's going to be out for a little bit here, but if that's all it is, and that's I'm sure what everybody's hoping it, it is, that's that's probably pretty good news overall. Yeah, and even if even if he does have to have some kind of a, a cleanup procedure in his knee, or maybe something that might help him help him down the road, and he has to miss the rest of the year, you know, it's already what the second week of August, so it's not like he's going to miss an entire year of his development. No. Um, a guy who, prior to all these injuries happening, really was starting to see his playtime. Uh, decreased and not that Riley couldn't be a useful piece or even you know, should the Braves make the playoffs I think there was there was at least somewhat of an argument to be made that Riley should be on there especially if he started to pick it up a little bit at the plate um, but yeah not good anytime you see a young guy go down with an injury um, as you said lifting weights is, is just a weird way if he was stretching that's a weird way to hurt yourself maybe it was something that was kind of building up or an injury that he had already he had been dealing with and hadn't really said anything about and it finally popped on him um, but it's a shame for him he, of course, was so big that the month and a half after coming up, um, but I would imagine this effectively uh, ends his 2019. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about that just yet, and I know you aren't either. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but um, they have to operate without him, and they have been the last, you know, three, four days now since that injury broke. But, you know, that's not it's not great. You know, if this is it for Riley, and I'm not sure it's going to be, we'll talk about this next week, whenever we have more news. You know, obviously the highs and lows this year, he was awesome for, as you mentioned, about a month and a half, and then kind of brutal after that, which is not a huge surprise for someone who's 22 years old and is a power 
guy. He was kind of always going to be high ceiling, low floor kind of guy with the bat, I think. Um, and we'll see how that works moving forward. There's lots of discussions to be had that we'll save for the offseason about how he how, how they should be treating Josh Donaldson. Um, Riley is, of course, a third baseman by trade. He's been playing in the outfield, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of months. But um, last thing, Dansby, on the injury front anyway, Dansby Swanson still out, and he's been out for a while now. Um, no timetable as of Saturday when Sticker was asked about this. The beat guys uh, passed along a quote from Sticker saying, and I'm quoting here, it hasn't really taken the turn for the better like we wanted, end quote. That's not good because they, they need Dansby Swanson pretty badly. You know, Camargo had a couple of nice moments this week. Um, Culberson is what he is, but I think everyone kind of agrees in unison that Swanson is a very, very key piece uh, if you want to go uh, looking forward into September and October. And um, it's just kind of strange, the mystery right now. Everyone thought he was going to be back already, and now there's no timetable. And that, that doesn't mean necessarily he's out for a long, long time, but we're definitely into rehab assignment territory now where it's, it's going to be a little bit, even if he's healthy right away, which he's clearly not yet. Yeah, you don't necessarily realize how much you're going to miss somebody until you go almost a month without him. And that's where we're at with Dansby right now. Uh, the defense especially has really been felt. I mean, I can think of four or five times off the top of my head where not having Dansby plays that he makes in his sleep that have come back to hurt the Braves, games that or plays that, that weren't made that honestly probably were the difference between a win or a loss. I mean, you think about the ball that snuck under uh, Charlie Culberson's glove on Saturday night. Um, Johan Camargo was really bad in that red series. He allowed at least a couple runs to score that, that Dansby more times than not is going to make. So defensively is, is where they've really, really felt the crunch there. Um, and getting him back in the lineup is only going to help, especially with no Marcakis. We've seen the last couple days, not that Dansby is an all-world hitter, but he's certainly a, a pretty good one this year. Um, it would be nice to have him there because right now, if the first, it's basically been this week if the first four guys in the lineup didn't do something, you probably weren't going to score a whole bunch. Now I know like Ender had a good game on Sunday um, and, and Johan Camargo had a, had a three run homer on Saturday night, but you know, there's not, it's not the most uh, aesthetically pleasing lineup right now after you get past Donaldson. So hopefully he's, he's back sooner rather than later. Um, and it, it's really just disencur- or discouraging to hear that the heel is not progressing like they thought. Even if he were to be healthy, like, tomorrow which does not seem to be the case right now he probably is going to miss a month because he he let he uh his last game was july 23rd and you know it's august 11th as we record this now but they're definitely saying rehab assignment's going to happen now as he's been he's been out so long so you know even if it's good news he's going to miss a whole month and like you said it's been um, a felt absence to be sure uh, the lineup has been obviously the top four has been just so lights out ron acuna has been ridiculous etc ozzy too um but you know Right now, this team is being kind of held together, and we'll, we'll talk about pitching later on by by the top four of the lineup, and they've been awesome. Um, but they, some depth would be necessarily if if any of those guys cool off, which might happen at some point, uh, at least for stretches. Um, they're gonna need some more guys that can hit it, and obviously his defense is the most important thing at shortstop, a premium position. So get well, Dansby. It's not great news, but um, not terrible news yet. We'll see how that goes in the future. But wanted to note that that uh, we thought he's gonna be coming back last week or even longer than that ago, so uh, not great. Um, last thing before we get to a break, and then we'll get to talk about the bullpen and uh, some game stuff after the break, but Lucas Duda is back, which kind of stuck under the radar. It's not a huge move, and that was definitely a it's a depth piece and a move in, in August. It's not, not going to get a ton, a ton of attention, but he was pretty good for the Braves last year in a small sample size, and my first takeaway was this is for September, basically. Um, mm-hmm. He also he also provides some Matt Joyce insurance, I suppose, but Duda is just a a power bat that doesn't do really anything else, but a good pinch hitting option potentially for you if you get into a bind. Yeah, absolutely. And you like, I mean, he was a guy on the the division series roster last year, a left-handed bat, a veteran who's been around. He, as you said, he was good last year for the Braves, really, really bad with the Royals this year. Uh, they cut him though. He did hit a go ahead Homer against the Braves, oddly enough, when in that short two game series where the Braves were swept. Um, but you start to think about even September baseball when, the rosters expand. There's a million pitchers brought in. If all of a sudden you have to burn, you know, you, you bring on Matt Joyce to pinch hit. The other team brings in a lefty. All of a sudden you you burn Joyce and he doesn't even make an impact on the game. Well, you do still have someone like Duda there as a left-handed option should you need him in the later inning. Um, it doesn't hurt. As you said, it's a depth piece. He's somebody who I'd imagine will only get a handful of at-bats uh, moving forward should he ever get called up from Gwinnett. I think he's somebody who will once the rosters expand in September – um, but 
ultimately somebody who we probably this will probably be like the last time we talk about Lucas Duda this year. I could be, be wrong. Yeah. Maybe he'll surprise us, but um, a pretty minor, as you said, just more of an August depth piece uh, for a guy who the Braves are familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably see him in September a couple of times in pinch hitting in pinch hitting roles. But like you said, it would not be a big surprise if he just never made an impact. But you know, a career, uh, very you know, he's definitely a heavy platoon split guy. I looked at his numbers just now. Um, pretty darn good against right-handed pitching for his entire career, and pretty bad against lefties for his entire career. Um, this year is a small sample size, but he has been you know absolutely horrible against lefties, and you know only sort of bad against righties. So. The platoon spit holds. We'll see if he's just got nothing left or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine him being on the October roster unless Matt Joyce either gets injured or just falls apart. Um, That's kind of his only role is the pure lefty bench bat role. He can't play defense at all really anywhere. Um, I guess maybe first base if you just need him to hit. But he's not going to play at first base in the playoffs unless Freddie Freeman has something happen to him. So. All that to say, uh, I kind of like that move because it doesn't cost you anything. It's a minor league contract, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, we'll leave, we'll leave that there for now. Okay, uh, Scott, after this short break, we'll come back and talk about the long-awaited bullpen and uh, much, much more. Ooh. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Uh, we're back, and we had a good laugh during the break about how we uh, talked about the bullpen and just Scott's reaction to that. So, um, it's been bad. Uh, we, we should say, you know, as, as bad as some things felt this week, it isn't like the Braves are in a terrible position still. So that's my caveat to soften things a little bit. The Braves still still have a six and a half game lead in the in the NL East. Their playoff odds are still in great great shape, mid to high ninety percent stuff. Division odds still in good shape, about you know in the eighty percent range. Um, but man, it was brutal, but. and uh, you know things came to a crescendo on Saturday. It's basically I want to start there because Saturday is the game that everyone will, will remember this week. Because um, you know six two in the ninth, you just don't lose games like that, especially when you you wasted a Soroka performance that was awesome. We mentioned earlier the Camargo home run that gave you a 6-2 lead. It falls apart on you, and you blew a four-run lead in the ninth inning. That's just like the icing on the cake for what's already a brutal performance from the, from the bullpen. I mean, before we dig in a little bit onto some, some specifics, kind of where are you at with this? Obviously, everyone's frustrated, but what's your takeaway here on August 11th on this bullpen? You know, it felt like every ball that was put in play over the last week or so, really since the trade deadline, has has gotten past a glove. I mean, I I would love to know it. This since the All Star break, opposing teams are hitting uh, three thirty eight on balls in play. It feels like it's double that. Um, the the ninth inning today against Luke Jackson was just kind of the epitome of. I was what about to say, even even with. today they, they 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 held on and won today, and Luke didn't get even didn't give up a run, quote unquote. But man, it was the same same thing, like just. Balls going to the wrong spot. It was you, yeah, I mean, it was. You, you, there's a little inside-out blooper that, thank God, Acuna has the arm that he does to get the first out. But then you had a <laughs> you had a ground ball that just barely snuck through. You had a line drive that was about an an inch and a half away from being caught by Ozzy. Um, you know, whenever in the final out on Sunday, it was a little blooper to center, and I thought, oh, so help me God if this ball hits the ground, because I think I tweeted like a remote control is going to get broken today if that ball would have dropped. So um, it was uh, it was that kind of week. Obviously, these guys are not this bad. I mean, Mark Melanson's been around the league for ten years now. He is not this bad. Shane Green, yeah, he had some regression coming, and it, it hit him in a hurry. That's for sure, as we've all seen. But he's not a guy who forgot how to pitch overnight. Uh, Chris Martin, other than uh, the homer he gave up to Snow on Monday, hasn't been terrible. I think he's arguably been the best of the bunch, not that that's saying a whole bunch. But <laughs> yes. even he hasn't been quite as good as advertised. Um, you know, Luke Jackson's had trouble. Anthony Swarzak has suddenly caught the home run plague. 
Uh, Sean Newcomb had the cost of the year on Saturday that kind of capped everything off and then <laughs> and then infamously broke a, uh, a fire extinguisher, which cleared out the clubhouse, which let's I spend some time on money. that right now. Actually, yeah. let's go to that right now. <laughs> that was uh, quite a news story to uh, unfold. And I guess right away, no one was reporting or at least knew um, enough to nail it down that it was Newcomb. And that, that, that news came to light a little bit later, but just some of the Twitter stuff that I was seeing about the fire extinguisher, like <laughs> um, some of the backstories that were written, it was just kind of um, one of those moments that you won't forget about the season. Um, not in the greatest sense, because you just had, you know, I think the worst loss of the year, or at least one of the worst losses of the year, at the very least. Um, you know, blowing forward in the ninth inning. But Newcomb was the one that finally gave it up for good in the tenth. And uh, I guess he was attributed to that. But um, just the, the, the visual imagery of that, just the fact that it was like ruining the clubhouse <laughs> after that. And I guess... It didn't hurt because they won today. Um, but I mean, I, it's funny. I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. Despite it was probably good for morale, just be, uh, for, for even for us, just because it was it was a funny subplot to what was a ridiculously bad um, day at the office. But uh, yeah. I, I, hopefully that was what happened with the Braves too. I haven't. I, I honestly I haven't seen any of the quotes about. Oh, if there are already quotes about that exact thing. But I hope that was just kind of something to actually lighten the load a little bit. But other than that, it was just kind of a, a wild scene. I mean, it was kind of like the perfect ending, right? Like, yeah, really guy's was. pissed off, he kicks a trash can, and it somehow explodes, which if anyone's ever been around a fire extinguisher exploding or being set off, it's really hard to breathe. So you can imagine, like, a group of 40 people in a small space trying to get out of a, and not being able to breathe with a fire extinguisher spewing all over. I mean, I would pay in a, good in money. A, in a visitor's clubhouse, which is probably not exactly, uh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's probably not terrible because it's a pretty, a pretty new ballpark, but visitor's clubhouses are uh, not as nice as home clubhouses. No, no. So I, it was kind of like the perfect, uh, the perfect ending to, I mean, that was as bad of a loss as the Braves have had in two years. I mean, you think about like the Cubs game and the Red Sox games last year where they completely yeah. collapsed. Those were the like, two. <laughs> and at least, at least with those teams, like, okay, they're really good teams. They're going to be in the playoffs. Red Sox obviously had a, a historic offense last year, you know, to lose a, to have a three run lead and then have a four run lead in the eighth and ninth innings that you couldn't hold against the lowly Marlins who are probably a bottom three team in baseball this year. Uh, you know, give them credit. And like we said, a few minutes ago, it seemed like every ball they hit was just under the glove of somebody or just in front of an outfielder. But, um, it was, uh, it was a rough night to say the least. Yeah. Let's talk about some numbers real quickly. Cause I agree with you on all these guys not being this bad. Uh, pretty obviously, but you know the fan base is irate, and I, I understand why um, the irrational nature of it kicks in a little bit to a certain degree. But it's just really, frust- really frustrating. I got I got these numbers that I'm about to read to you from Stephen over at MLB Daily Dish. So well, shout out to Stephen. Um, and these numbers are from actually going into today, so they're not they're not updated after today's games. But um, since the All Star break, the Braves have a 7.21 bullpen ERA. In 87 innings, that's as bad as you think it is. That is horrific, obviously, and not a small sample size. 87 innings is a lot, um, and 7.21 ERA is brutal. Uh, third highest BABIP in the major leagues, the worst walk rate in the major leagues, the second worst strikeout percentage in the major leagues, so that's not going to be sustainably good. Um, and then a lot of home runs as well, fifth worst in home run rate over that time. Um, all three of the new acquisitions, not great. I know, five runs and five appearances for Martin. Mel, uh, Melanson had the brutal Saturday, and then Shane Green, 11.25 ERA for Shane Green in a Braves Ooh. uniform. Um, granted, it's, it's a small sample size, so whatever. Um, we did you know, call it to some degree on Shane Green that he was going to cool off, but it happened in a hurry, as you referenced. Um, he's not this bad either, but you know, I think you had a stat about the 1-2-3 innings from this week and how few of them there were. I mean, I, I, we, have, we have all these numbers, I guess, all day to read off if we wanted to do that, but um, the question is what happens now because we could tell you how bad they've been if that everyone everyone can tell you that but is this going to stabilize how soon is it going to stabilize like what's the plan because i mean we we have we saw luke jackson closing games it worked on sunday um but you know every single person i follow on twitter i felt like was saying oh my god luke jackson's coming in on the ninth inning to close the game you got to be kidding me and my response was well who do you who do you want to close this game um because there were guys who weren't available etc but what, what happens now, I guess, is the uh, the overarching question here. You know, it's it's going to sound like I'm, I'm Brian Snicker here, but, I mean, you just have to keep running the guys out there. Uh, you, you can't, I mean, it's your only option. <laughs> it is. I mean, truly, and it's it's a, such an uh, obvious and basic answer, but, I mean, what other options do you have? I mean, you're not going to, with those three guys you got, you're not going to bail on any of them after a week and a half. 
And they got rid of three guys who were completely underperforming with Chad Sabatka. I don't think anyone wants to see any more of Chad Sabatka anytime soon. Um, I mean, I guess Jacob Webb, who is another guy who is probably due for a little bit of regression, but it's been pretty good on a results basis this year, could be thrown into the mix. Uh, he's coming back from the injury, of course, in Gwinnett. But yeah, you, you just got to keep sending him out there. I don't know who's going to be the closer moving forward. Uh, let me ask you this. If you had to put 100 bucks on who has the most saves for the Braves from now until the end of the year, who would you pick? Um... <laughs> um, yeah, I am gonna say Melanson. All right, that's who I was gonna pick too. But Just I have, things. I have. That's that's with. I'm sure people can hear this. I have no confidence. None. I no. I almost said Shane Green. Um, just because you know. They anointed Shane Green before he threw a pitch. Like he came out mm-hmm. to the media the first day and said, "I'm the closer" because he was told he was the closer. So I know he was ball. I know he's. I know he's been awful. Um, I think they're going to go back to Shane Green at some point. So maybe he's the right answer. Um, but I mean, it's one of those two. I think that's all I was really deciding between. I guess it wouldn't stun me if it was somebody else because of how bad things have been. But those are the two veterans with the most with, with the most closing experience, and I think, you know, for better or worse, and I'm not advocating for this, but I think Snicker cares about that. I, th- I think he's going to want someone who wants to be there in the ninth inning, um, and those two guys had the experience. Um, again, yeah. that's not me advocating for it, but I think it's going to be between those two guys unless they, unless they just cannot do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think I would. I think that's the smart money. Uh, but again, it's not exactly. It's like a couple weeks ago when we talked about who would be your game three starter of a playoff series. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know who it would be. No, I mean, uh, I, I think I know who it is right now Julio at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I still, but, I still, I still don't love that, but Julio has, um, overachieved my expectations this year. He's been better than I thought. And I, I we should credit Julio for uh, doing a good job this year. So maybe yeah. he is just better than the numbers say he's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Without getting sidetracked there, I, I, I agree with you. There's no, Magic Potion, you know, we were pretty high on the bullpen moves, and I liked all those trades. I still do. I think sure. um, oh, me too. it's brutal now because it's two weeks later and it's not gone well. Um, but like you said, like I said, these three guys are better than this. Um, bullpen stuff is just volatile. I mean, we, we saw this coming a mile away all season long. That the bullpen was going to be the biggest problem. We talked about it ad nauseum for months and months. It's true, but now... On paper, it shouldn't be so bad. Um, it just happens to be that the three guys that, that they brought in to right the ship are struggling. And the timing yeah. of that is brutal. But, you know, all that said, they won some games this week where they had bad bullpen performances. Like Tuesday, the bullpen was terrible. Um, they won that game by four runs because it was 11 nothing in the sixth. Um, so they, I guess they had some uh, some room for error in that game. Um, and, and even today, I mean, there was... You know, it wasn't like there was a terrible. It feels like it was such a such a bad week for the Braves, and they went four and three. Yeah, <laughs> and I think if a week ago you would have said, "Yeah, three games in Minnesota against just a loaded Twins lineup," we did say yeah. it. Eric and I, Eric and I said that exact thing last week on this yeah. podcast in this same yeah. space. We said four and three is a win, and it was. Yep, yep. cross seven days off the calendar, uh, and you you keep the lead as we said, six and a half game lead on on the Nationals, uh, eight game lead on the Mets. We'll see how the Phillies do tonight, but either an eight or nine game lead. I mean. It's all about crossing days off the calendar and getting closer and closer, and, and they've done that, bullpen flaws and all. Um, it's it's kind of amazing. A couple people were talking today. It's like, imagine if the Braves had like one of the better bullpens. I mean, they're 20 games above 500 right now in a good competitive division with four teams, at least three games are better above 500. You have a really good Nationals team, a red-hot Mets team, a solid Phillies team, and they're 20 games above 500. And they have the worst bullpen in baseball. Isn't that just kind of I mean, crazy? Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they've been truly awful. And again, I don't I don't think that right now, true talent wise, that they have a, the worst the worst bullpen in baseball. I don't believe that at all. But the numbers for the season and the numbers, especially recently, tell that story. So I mean, it's it's worth saying. We said it before, but it's worth saying how crazy it is that this team has this record with this bullpen. And with Keiko not being great, and with Fulte being what Fulte's been this year, um, all with Gosman being what Gosman was this year, for them to be this good is kind of insane, <laughs> um, record-wise, win-loss record-wise. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I mean, the bullpen, we don't think it's going to be this bad, but the fact that it is this bad, at least to this point in time, and they've, and they've still been this good, is um, 
remarkable, I would say. That's a good way to put it. I think that's the word for it because, you know, again, it's not like it's not like this team is floundering in the wild card race right now because they keep blowing games and, and they can't figure it out. I mean, this has been a good team really since, you know, middle of May. And it's I mean, just... before that, honestly, I mean, they, they, had, they had a really bad, like, opening weekend. Mm-hmm. And they've been good, like flat out good ever since, basically. Yeah. I mean, well, since... they kicked it at high gear at one point, but yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, they started. Uh, they started eighteen and twenty, and they're yep. seventy and fifty now. So, quick math: that's fifty-two and twenty since the middle of May. That's no, fifty-two good. and thirty. Fifty-two and thirty. Yeah, um, still pretty good, by the way. Um, yeah, pretty. Good. But no, Take it's that. it's a point we talked about a million times. But yeah, it's it's true. They've been really good, and I just I, I found it striking when I was doing prep for the podcast. I was just in my mind thinking, man, what a brutal week! What it's what what a down podcast is going to be. And they went four and three on the road. It's like uh, okay, it's it's kind of a microcosm for the season though, because I'm not sure this feels like a team that's in the spot that they're in at the moment. But you look at the standings and they're right there. Um, I, I was going to ask you for some more takeaways from this week. One that I want to ask you about specifically. Um, there's been there's now some worry about Dallas Keuchel that I'm seeing. Um, I understand why because the numbers are not great. You know, in a FIP of 5.22, ERA about 4.8 or so. He was brutal this week in his one start. Um. Are you worried about Dallas Keuchel? Because we, we've penciled him in a few different times as the number two starter in the playoffs. Um, and at the moment, he is not pitching like that guy. So yeah, it's just, it's a small sample. It's 10 starts after the late, after, after the late arrival. But worried at all about Dallas Keuchel? Because if he's not good, man, whew. I, I don't really know how to answer this question. Because I, I wrote something similar earlier this week. It's like, you look at his numbers, and he's been really bad. A 4.83 ERA, a FIP of 5.22 and that's over 10 starts now, almost 60 innings. And you think, God, those numbers are, are terrible. I mean, that's more or less what like Julio Tehran was last year, and we know how much we bashed Julio. Um, but when you watch him pitch, and obviously the numbers were inflated a bit with that bad start that you mentioned, it doesn't seem like he's a guy who's basically been a five-ERA pitcher this year. It just doesn't feel that way. Now, maybe that's recency bias, or maybe that's just wanting to think highly of a guy who everyone was excited about adding in the middle of June. But on a results basis, he's been just as bad as, as some of those guys we mentioned the Braves got nothing out of. So I don't really know how I feel about him. Other than the Marlins start, he's generally gotten hurt later in games, like third time through the order. Seems like he's always in trouble in that last inning. And lately, the reason the ERA is up and the fifth is up is because he hasn't been able to escape that sixth or seventh inning jam. Um, and a couple times he's left games and the bullpen has allowed his runners to score, which hurts his numbers, of course. But again, when you watch him pitch, it's like, all right, well, he's he's throw strikes. The strikeout numbers aren't great, but we knew the strikeout numbers were going to be great. Um, he, he's striking out actually about guys at the same rate that he did last year. The walks are basically the same. Where he's getting killed are the home runs. And Maybe that's a product of his environment. Maybe it's a little bit of a fluke. His ex-fifth is actually 4.02, which is encouraging. Uh, he's just, it seems like every ball that gets hit in the air against him has been a homer. So I guess if you're looking for some reason to be encouraged about Keuchel is is if the home run rate comes back down to earth a little bit and he's never he has a career 0.91 home run per nine, so it's not like he's had a home run problem for years and years. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to perform and you have to get good results and he has not been very good over his last four or five starts. So that's that's kind of where I feel on Keuchel. I don't know. I, I don't know if worried is the right word for him, but I think I think everybody, himself included, are ready to see the results that uh, closer to the guy he was in Houston than what he's been with the Braves. Yeah, I mean when when they when they signed him, I was encouraged by the signing, but we did we did I, I think um, appropriately question the upside a bit it was definitely more of a um get a solid guy to eat some innings um and be like a third starter kind of type um he's been worse than that so far but i don't think that you know just just to say this on the record the Cy Young the Cy Young guy is not coming back that's not going to be a likely outcome so um i think you're hoping he's your number two starter but that, that's because of the lack of options like ideally he would be your third or fourth starter on a team like this um even if he's pitching well you know, Fulty would be the guy who's the X factor there because I think, with all respect to Julio, who again has been good this season, I don't think you want him in that number two role either. I think you want, I think Soroka and I mean, free, it's basically Freed and Fulty are the guys with the upside, in my opinion, to be what you want a number two starter to be in the playoffs. Um, we'll see how that looks. 
lots of twists and turns along the way. Fulte um, had some moments this week. He, he was really good on, on Tuesday, by the way. Fulte was with five, basically five innings of greatness Tuesday and then kind of fell apart a little bit in the sixth um, and was, you know, not awful today, I guess. Um, so no, some nice moments for him. Yeah, he sold in nicely after the first inning today. And by the way, uh, the wrist uh, the wristband thing that he's wearing was uh, was a popular topic this week. <laughs> that that was funny to watch and comment on. I'm not sure if you have thoughts, but I really 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 enjoyed all the discourse around Don't that. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah, um, expletive warning, I suppose, everyone. But I tried to, to I tried to you I tried I tried to tee you up with the reference to the wristband first, so people could uh, fast forward if they had kids. Um, <laughs> but hey, uh, that was funny. I really enjoyed that actually from Fulty. <laughs> so I wanted to get it in there a little bit. Um, I don't know, man. That's probably all I have in terms of just like specific stuff from this week. Did anything take away from you? I mean, Camargo hitting a home run we referenced quickly earlier was nice to see just him doing something good and Ender at a, at a big swing today that helped them win that game. Um, but other than that, I don't really have – oh, I have one thing that I just, I just remembered. Um, if you're the person that's arguing um, on behalf of Craig Kimbrell right now, you've lost your mind because oh, Craig Kimbrell's yeah. been – Kimbrel's been terrible, and people were like, "Oh, if they had signed Kimbrel, it'd be fixed." I'm yeah. like, uh, "A, Kimbrel's been really bad, and B, Kimbrel was one human, one and one he's human. hurt too. Yeah, he, hurt he had the bad problem, and which, one person. <laughs> well, in the knee problem, which apparently teams kind of knew about that his knee was bugging him, and that was part of the concern last off season was that they didn't know what the knee was in terms of health. Um. Yeah, I I heard a little bit of that today too. I was like, "What are you guys talking about?" I saw like, a few sure. things. I was I, I I was baffled by it. Not that obviously Craig Kimbrell is you know true talent wise would be better than all the guys that they signed, but Craig Kimbrell in 14 appearances this season has a 5.68 ERA. He has a a career worst walk rate since he was basically a rookie in uh, in Atlanta. His FIP is 6.76, negative 0.4 Fangraphs WAR this season. Like he's been yeah. truly terrible, and now he's hurt. And it's like, wait, people well, are talking it, about him as like some bullpen savior. I, I don't get it. I really don't. Well, and he signed a three year deal too, so they have yeah, him for another. They two were never going to do maybe, that. It wasn't going to happen. And maybe maybe Craig figures it out, and maybe you know people are like, well, if he was with the Braves instead of the Cubs, they would know him better. I mean, well, maybe, he might. I mean, but, he might be awesome still. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be bad forever, but like to use that argument right now, it's like, what are yeah. you talking about? Especially um, after the struggles he had in the second half of last year in the playoffs, where I mean, the Red Sox were kind of going to him out of desperation, but. Everybody in baseball knew Craig is not the same guy from four or five years ago where he came in, and even if you put a ball in play against him, you felt good about yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now and just hearkening back to his first four and a half year, years with the Braves when he was just ridiculous. If you ever want to just observe some madness and pitching stats, go look at that. From 2010-2014, uh, Craig Kimbrell in Atlanta was uh, quite a show. Um, okay, want to get that off my chest real quickly. Um <laughs> Okay, last thing. Let's look ahead to the week a little bit. They play the Mets. They have Monday off, and then they go um, home games against New York and Los Angeles. Obviously, the Dodgers are very good, and that's a showdown over the weekend that will be heavily um, dissected across the country, I would imagine. But the Mets are a huge story right now. In fact, we, we took some blame, apparently, Scott. I got some tweets about this. Two weeks ago, you and I kind of buried the Mets on this podcast, and then they rattled off 15 wins in 17 games. Actually, 15, mm-hmm. 15 and 16. They lost today. So 15 and 17 now, but it was 15 out of 16, including some memorable comebacks. They had a big comeback win over the Nationals. Was that yesterday? I think it was yesterday or yep. maybe Friday. Yeah. Um, they've been ridiculous, and now they're back with an eight. Like, not that they're a big threat to the Braves necessarily at the moment, but the Mets are no longer playing terribly. They've been playing great for three weeks now, and that's not great timing as they arrive. Um, you know, We'll see. That's always a rivalry, but for me, I'm looking ahead of the Dodgers series. But I, I can't. I guess. I guess we shouldn't poo-poo the Mets now with the way they're playing. No, I mean they. To the Mets' credit, they beat up on bad teams. I mean, they had a stretch where they played like the Pirates twice, uh, the Padres, who were really struggling in the second half, the Marlins. They swept. No, you know, as we saw this weekend with Atlanta, it's it's not automatic wins. It's like you just show up and play the Marlins and win. Uh, you have to beat the teams that you're playing, but. Um, yeah, credit to the Mets. They've gotten, I think they're more in the wild card picture. I know we're, we're going to get crap for this whenever they beat the Braves inevitably on Tuesday night, but like, <laughs> yes, they're still, even with this crazy, crazy run, what'd you say? 15 out of 17 or something like that. Yeah, that's right. They're still eight games back, which 
538 has their division winner odds at 4% right now. Yeah. Just keep that in, keep that in mind. They're eight and games back. Listen, they, they've been really good, but the most important thing is they've been winning like pretty unsustainably and also against bad teams. So mm. shouts to them um, for putting that together and making a little run here. It's, it's been kind of fun actually to watch, even though I don't like the Mets. Um, yeah, them beating the Nationals two out of three helped. I mean, that's that's kind of what we were rooting for. The Saturday comeback was a, a wild one. I, yeah, they were down what three or four? It was basically what the uh, Marlins. Uh, yeah, they were down three against Doolittle too, who's been basically yeah. perfect this year. Yeah. Um, you referenced something about the Marlins. We should say, um, I think we we do a pretty good job of this to just like keep expectations manageable. I saw some reactions talking about how quote embarrassing it was to get to split with the Marlins. This is baseball. I know they're really, really bad teams, but you can't expect to beat a team every single time to go out there, as we saw today with the Orioles beating Justin Verlander um, as like minus four fifty favorites. The the Astros were. Um, it's a, it's baseball, man. Like if you win a series, that's great. It's not great to split, split with the Marlins, but the notion that it's uh, I saw a lot of the word embarrassing, and I was like, guys, this is a. I mean, Saturday was embarrassing because it was just such a brutal, brutal performance. But like Thursday, yeah. losing to the Marlins. It happens. You know, it's it's a baseball game. Like you should win because you're better than them. But out of ten games against the Marlins, you should win seven. Well, and they're they're twelve and four so far against. Them, That's I think good. Is, I mean, you can't yeah. ask for more than that. You just can't. I mean, again, like if I if you told me to pick a let's start a ten game series right now, neutral site Braves Marlins. How many games do the Braves win? Mm, yeah, I probably seven pick, or eight. I probably pick seven or eight. Like you, you're going to lose sometimes. It's just what it is. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, they could easily in a ten game series split or go four and six, like it's baseball. So I want to put that out there because that was uh, I thought the the grace acknowledgement of that kind of uh, theme was the Orioles game today, but the Marlins um, splitting with the Braves is, is also a pretty good one as well. Um, the Dodgers series looms. They're the team that everyone compares the Braves to, including us, um, because the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. Um, they just are. So. Some pretty fun matchups um, scheduled. Soroka and Kenta Maeda on, on Friday at home in Atlanta should be rocking. Saturday, Fulte and uh, Hinjin Ryu, who might be a Cy Young favorite this year. And then Max Free, Clayton Kershaw in a battle of left-handers with curveballs Ooh. on Sunday. Yeah. So, um, And that's a national TV game on TBS. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure how, how well it's going to go for the Braves, but, you know, it's a same same thing in reverse here. The Dodgers are better than the Braves, in my opinion. But it's baseball. You can go out and sweep the Dodgers. It wouldn't wouldn't stun me. It would be nice to finally. I mean, again, it's not the playoffs. Doesn't really matter. It's three games out of one sixty two. But it would be nice to kind of shake some of the yips the Braves have had against the Dodgers. Like the last three years, it seems like the game starts and the Braves are already losing three nothing. I mean, even the playoffs last year, especially those first two games, it was like holy cow. This game is over, and it's the it was immediately inning. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, but you know, again, it's it's just, you do have the pitchers you want. Uh, Fulte against the Dodgers lineup kind of terrifies me a little bit, but uh, you do have Soroka and you have Freed, and the Dodgers don't hit lefties nearly as well as they hit righties, which is encouraging. Um, the Braves do miss uh, Walker Bueller in that series, which is great because he's been like unhittable lately. Um, and against the Mets, I know we, we've kind of shifted gears, but they won't see Jacob deGrom, who seemingly makes every single start against the Braves. Um, and they won't see Syndergaard either, who pitched today, so or yesterday, rather. So, you know, Mats, uh, Wheeler, and Stroman. Marcus Stroman is not a walk in the park by any means, but um, it is nice to miss. If you're going to miss three guys in a week, to miss deGrom, Bueller, and Syndergaard is, is uh, certainly a break. That is a break, and I'm glad you said that. Um, even you know the Dodgers just have so many guys that it just doesn't even feel like a break. But you still miss some. You still miss some guys this week. That's important. Um, since I do this every week, I feel like last week I th- I said four and three would be a good result. I think four and three would be a great result this week. Um, even at oh, sorry three and th- I, I three think and four three. and two. Yep. Sorry, four and two would be a great result. I think three and three would be just fine. I know you're at home and you, you want to win more than you lose, but when the Dodgers are in, are, are involved. I think three and three would be just fine. Four and two would be a blessing. Um, you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. And especially if they could take two out of three from both and kind of split it up a little bit, yep. that'd be really nice to finally beat the Dodgers. I mean, again, these are professional athletes. They they don't probably look at other teams in awe like the way we do. No. But but it would be great to win two out of three on the chance that we see these guys down the road. Um, one other thing that is worth that I realize this is the start of a. 
uh, nine-game homestand over 11 days, which is really nice because it feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like the Braves have been on the road the entire second half so far. It does feel that way. Um, They've played 57 games at home and 63 on the road, so this is going to even out a little bit of uh, of that disparity. Um, By the way, I know we talk about the Dodgers a lot. Um, The Dodgers are 79-41, and which is – Speaks for itself. Five thirty eight projects them to win one hundred and five games. Oof. Um, yeah, sounds right. Just, that's kind of all I need to say about that. Like yeah. they're, they're they're really tough. good. Um, they are the only team in the National League with um, with a three digit run differential. They are plus one ninety two. Second place Jeez, in the Christ. National League is plus yeah. seventy seven. So yeah. uh, and the Braves are I believe third or fourth. Yeah, fourth right now at plus six, plus sixty two. So. Um, they're really good. We'll see what happens. But the Braves are in great shape in the National League East still, despite the uh, the pain of, and frustration of this week. Still went four and three, and uh, all they got to do is go four and three every game the rest of the way, every 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 week the rest of the way. Just just yep. If they if they if they play five hundred baseball the rest of the way, they're probably gonna make the playoffs um, and probably gonna win the division. So just take care of business. Do what you're supposed to do. There's forty two games left on the schedule. 21-21 will get you to 91 wins, which I, I think wins the National League East. I, I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee it, but I think that probably wins the National League East, and I think they're better than that. So just play the way they've been playing all year, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's, as we talked about, it it's doesn't necessarily feel like this team is 20 games above 500, but at the end of the day, they are. all wins are the same. Whether you win by 15 runs or you pull all your hair out, or what's left of your hair in my case, and uh, <laughs> and, and watch. You're a young uh, man, and, Scott. And Come on, watch the bullpen. Uh, yeah, I was on the wrong side of the hair jeans. Um, but, uh, but yeah, whether you're you're watching the bullpen slowly but surely blow the game into win by one, or you win by fifteen, at the end of the day, it's it's a win, um, and that's all that really matters. This is a team on pace for 94 and about, about, about 94 and a half wins at their current rate. And uh, that's a very good baseball team. So it may not feel like it every day, but uh, just remind yourself 94 win pace right now. And it's much, much better than that since, uh, as Scott noted earlier in the podcast, it's been May. They're like 100 win pace or better. So uh, they've been awesome. And uh, even this week, again, four and three. I'm telling myself as much as I'm telling everybody else. Four three this week, despite all the uh, all the faux pas. That's a pretty good result. Um, Scott, anything else you want to get out there before we uh, sign off today? Uh, no. We, well, um, I thought the uh, Ronald Acuna stuff. The for him to be maybe the fifth player ever to have a forty forty season. I hope baseball promotes him and just the rarity and how hard it is to not only hit forty homers or steal forty bases, but for somebody to do both of them. And he's he's been running like somebody who wants to steal forty bases this year. Um, and obviously he, I think he had three homers or no, he had four homers in four games against yeah, Miami for the, the home runs, this week, I think. And 30, yeah. 33 homers, 28 steals right now for Ronald Acuna on August 11th is, uh, yeah. Woo. He's very good. And you know, and you know, if it gets to be like the last week of the season that anytime he's on base, you know, he's, he's going. going like it could yep. be whether, whether it's like zero, zero in the first inning or it's the 12th inning or it's the sixth inning and they're down by 10 you know he's going to be taken off because he's you know he's not dumb players aren't dumb they know what the historical significance of stuff is and a 40 40 season for him at age 21 would be pretty insane this is an estimation because he homered again today but coming into today he was uh tied for eighth overall in major league baseball in fangraphs war and he homered today i think he might be seventh by himself now yeah um he's 21 years old scott (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the 10 more years of a man it's he's 21 uh, years old uh just for the record really, really he good. has a better wrc plus and more fangraphs war than mookie betts uh chris bryant javier baez all of which are very much more famous than he is at this point in time um some other names nolan nolan Arenado. he is uh beating freddie in war not in wrc plus but um yeah he's really good i mean i feel like we talk about ronald every week but that's okay because he's been doing things to make us talk about him you know 33 homers and uh i think he had four or five this week at least four um yeah what are you gonna say if he the fact that he's running i'm looking at the fangraphs leaderboard page he's the only guy in the top i'm looking now 30 maybe more with 25 or more stolen bases this year like stolen bases are kind of not a thing anymore most guys don't run a ton 
they're way down from where they used to be. Yeah, he's the only guy in the top 50 with more than 23 steals. Yeah. Christian Yelich has has 23, and Yelich is obviously the reigning MVP, who is incredible. He's even better than Ronald Cunha is, but he's also like a fully formed baseball player. And uh, Ronald is 21. Yeah, he's... It's pretty, yeah. I mean, like, I know that it's starting to slowly but surely pick up a little bit of national attention that he has a chance at 40 40, especially the way he's been hitting lately. Um, like every night, it's going to be must see TV if if he gets within, you know, a couple of them. You want to be there the night that he, he has his 40 40 season. Um, and I think he'll get there again. The nice if thing he, stay, if he stays healthy, the homer, the homers are probably like an 80% yeah, thing if he stays healthy. Easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah. You, you tell me he's not going to hit seven more over the next. I mean, that's like Seven one a weeks. week. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's the got steals, uh, you know, you got to get on base. You got to steal. You don't want him just running to run. And sometimes it really doesn't make much sense to steal a base. But if like if the last two weeks get there and he's at like 36 steals, I would imagine he's running every single time he gets on base. Let the young man run, Brian Snicker. Let the, man, let the young man run. All right. I'm glad you said that, Scott. That's a good way to end it on a high note because uh, Ronnie's always fun to talk about. Anything you got coming on the uh, site or otherwise? Uh, not too much. Um, I, I, my real life job has been pretty nutty the last couple weeks, so I'm Same. still trying to get caught up on stuff. <laughs> but, um, but no, as always, just check out the site. Uh, minor league seasons are starting to wrap up here in the next few weeks, and the minor league guys do such a great job. Uh, so check that out. And um, as always, on the Twitter machine, Scott Coleman fifty five. Yep, check out the Road to Atlanta podcast on this same feed, as well as all of our written content over at TalkingChop.com. That is TalkingChop.com. Tell a friend, please subscribe to this podcast uh, on whatever platform you want to, or multiple platforms. Click click the download button um, as many times as you want to. Listen to, but download, that really helps us. And uh, thank you, Scott, for joining me. We'll see everybody next week. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.